you would please open your Bibles to the book of James. We are in chapter 2. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. This is God's Word. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, I think that's pretty clear, right? Why, why would there be any need for further elaboration? Well, let's look back in Paul's letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 4, Don't lose your place in James. Look at Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts, in God, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? 
We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he's also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Okay, well, that that seems clear also, but um, wait a minute. Seems like Paul is saying Abraham was declared righteous on the basis of his faith. James is saying Abraham was declared righteous not just on the basis of faith, but faith manifested in good works. Oh my goodness, I'm afraid we've finally found a contradiction in the Bible. No. There's no contradiction here. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Do I have to keep the place in Romans? No. We're going back to James. We're going to look at Ephesians on our way there. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, the Apostle Paul, who says Abraham was justified on the basis of his faith, he received righteousness on the basis of his faith, Paul goes on to make it very clear that if your faith is genuine, it's going to show up in the way that you live. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing it is God who works within you. If I say I have faith, James says, but I don't have any works to go with it, okay? I am a, uh, I just want you to know I'm, I really believe in generosity. Charitable giving. I'm uh, I'm I'm really in favor of uh, people uh, giving sacrificially. 
So, uh, how much did you give last year? Well, I, I think the important thing here is uh, just let's be clear that uh, charitable giving is very important and generosity is to be encouraged. Greed is a bad thing. And, uh, and I just, that's where I stand. So, what are you doing about it? Well, uh, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think the important thing is just I want to be clear as to where I stand. Um, I believe in generosity. Would you believe that person? Do they really believe in generosity? No. If you believe in generosity in a meaningful way, you're going to be generous. Say, well, I I understand what you're saying, but I I actually have experienced some uh, uh, financial reversals. Well, I mean, what happened was I I was uh, trying to get rich and I invested in some stuff that I guess now is uh, not going to pay off. So as a result, um, I, uh, I, don't, I don't have very much money. Oh, so have you got two tiny coins to put in the treasury? Uh, two tiny coins, I mean like dimes? You folks remember the story. Jesus watched people's giving. And some people put in large amounts. But one widow put in two of the lowest value coins in the economy. And Jesus said she gave more than anybody else. Because she gave all she had. You see, if we really believe, it'll show up in what we do. Look again at what James says. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? And then he gives an example of a guy who needs help. And what he's told is, I wish you well. Keep warm in bed. Okay? Take care of yourself. Well, no, 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 I... I really am not in a position right now to take care of myself. Well, God bless you. It doesn't work. It doesn't hold up. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead. I've been around more than a few dead people in my life. As a pastor, I'm sometimes the first person on the scene over the years when someone passes away and the spouse or parent calls and they want me to come. And I've gotten there before the ambulance at times. People call ambulances even after a person's dead, just so you know. It's not necessary. I didn't call an ambulance when my dad died because I knew dad had been looking forward to going home. But when a person is gone, they're gone. And you never ask them for anything. Okay? When my dad passed away, 
in our home, surrounded by the family with his nurse on the other side of the room. When, when he died, I didn't go to him and say, Dad, could you just say, I love you one more time? Because he was gone. He was dead. Dad, you remember that story you used to tell about going hunting for alligators on the lake behind your house in Dade City, Florida? Could you just share that with the grandkids one more time? I don't want them to forget that. You can't ask a dead person to do stuff. And if a dead person is asked to do something, it's not going to pay off. There are people who are spiritually dead who claim to have faith. You say you believe in God? Oh, good. Even the demons believe that and tremble. Mere intellectual faith is not saving faith. It's not the real thing. In John chapter 3, a religious man came to Jesus. He was a religious leader. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. Very well educated in the scriptures. He came to Jesus and he said, we know that you must be sent from God because there's no other explanation for the things that you do. Again, Jesus' action No other explanation for the things that you do. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Why? Well, because as Paul wrote in Ephesians, we were all dead. All of us. It wasn't a problem that plagued some people. Certain segments of the population suffer with a condition called spiritual death. No, all of us we're in that condition at one time. God is the one who makes us alive. And he gives us faith to believe. But the faith that he gives us is an obedient faith. It is a faith that is so grateful for what he has done that we want to respond by doing what pleases him. I uh, was driving home from the grocery store on Cape Cod and uh, I saw a car in the woods up against a tree. Just saw it out of the corner of my eye. But I thought, well, that's not usually there. I kept driving. And then the thought occurred to me, that's a car wreck. That guy ran off the road and up into the woods and he's hit a tree, and he may still be in the car, you better go back there and check on him. And I thought, I have ice cream in the trunk, okay? I I don't have time for this. I don't even know. The owner of the house may have parked a car there, and he's going to put a for sale sign on it. You know, and the Holy Spirit said, you need to go back. And I thought, well, you know, my family's expecting this before everybody had cell phones. And my family's expecting me home. I don't want them to worry about me. And the Lord said, you need to go back. I thought, well, I'm not sure this is the Lord, but in case it is, 
I'm going to go back. So I turned the car around, I drove back there, and sure enough, this car's sitting up against, with a front up against a tree and looking a bit crumpled. And, uh, but there's no sign of life. I mean, there are no lights on. The vehicle doesn't have any lights on. It's just, you know, I'm not sure when that happened. But I got to go see. So I drove into the driveway of a home across the street where there were lights on, knocked on the door, said, can I borrow a flashlight? I want to go check on this vehicle that's in the woods across the street. And the guy said, okay. So he loaned me a flashlight. I went over there, and sure enough, there was a fellow. When I first looked, there's nobody in the, in the seat. But there was a fellow down on the floor of the front, in front of the seat, between the front seat and the dashboard, down on the floor. And um, didn't see any movement on his part, but he was a carpenter, and all of his tools had been thrown forward, and some of them were on top of him. And I thought, I've got to call an ambulance. So I ran back across the street, called an ambulance, and they came, and they extricated him from the vehicle, and they took him to Cape Cod Hospital in Hyannis. And when I went to see him the next day, he was all casts and lying there, hooked up to an IV, but he was conscious. And I, I went and I introduced myself and I said, I'm the guy who found you last night and called the ambulance. And he said, well, I wish you hadn't. And I said, why? They tell me I almost died. And I said, well, that's what they told me too. And he said, you should have just left me there. And I said, I mean, you know, he, he couldn't move really, so I wasn't concerned that he was irritated with me. I, I said, um, have you ever considered going to AA? Because the reason he ran off the road and hit a tree was because he had a serious drinking problem. I said, have you ever considered going to AA? And he said, uh, I went one time, and I'm never going back. And I said, really, why is that? And he said, it's just a bunch of drunks. I said, well, that's an interesting perspective for a guy who almost killed himself last night by running off the road and hitting a tree while drunk. Okay? Now, why am I telling you that story? Well, because... If you want to be saved, God is ready to save you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But there are some people who don't want to be saved. They really don't. And it's not because they're so happy. It's because they have not yet been given faith. They don't trust God. They may believe in God like the demons do but they don't trust him. The word for faith has to do not just with intellectual belief in something. It has to do with trust in someone. And it has to do with obedience. Between the book of Romans and the book of James, one of the books of the Bible that God 
providentially put between the two is the book of Hebrews. You won't find a greater exposition on the nature of faith than you find in the book of Hebrews. I encourage you all to go back and read it. And you know what he says about faith? He says, first of all, faith is very important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now let's say that together. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. One more time. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Then faith is not only very important, it's critical, but it's also something that involves believing certain things. You have to believe that God exists. James talks about that. And that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, you're not only believing in God's existence, you're believing in God's character. That God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me tell you, that's absolutely true. But then he goes on to show how faith is expressed. You could say it is confessional, and I'll give you two ways from the book of Hebrews in the faith chapter that it goes on to list over and over that show that a person's faith is saving faith. The first is what you say. Those who say such things make it clear that they're looking for a city not made with hands, whose architect and builder is God. So what you say expresses your faith. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. Most of the faith chapter in the book of Hebrews is about what people did. They did this, 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 they did this. And that's how you know they had the real kind of faith. Because faith without works is dead. And as Paul said in Ephesians 2, God has prepared works for us to do beforehand. Before we got saved, God had already come up with assignments for us. And not because he needs help, but because he wants to involve his children in what he is doing in the world. And so James writes to people who had taken the truth that Paul proclaimed and distorted it. There are people on the radio, even on the network I'm on, that are still doing that today. Okay? And anybody, call, people will call in and say, I got this thing where this person says that if, if you really are going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to do this and you need to do this. And basically quoting scripture. And I, I'm just calling you because that doesn't seem to fit exactly with what you're teaching us. And his response is, well, I'm glad you pointed that out because you're exactly right. There are all kinds of false teachers out there and they're trying to put people on a guilt trip and tell them that there are things they need to do or they're not saved. But that's just works religion. Don't fall for it. And I'm thinking, buddy, you need to read the book yourself. If somebody tells you you have to do these things in order for God to save you, that's a lie. That's works religion. 
But if anybody tells you that all you've got to do is just believe that these things are true. I believe Jesus is God the Son. I believe that I have sinned. I believe that his sacrifice on the cross paid for my sin and that I cannot earn heaven. I just need to receive it as a gift. Did I get all that right? Yep, you got it. You're in. <laughs> no. No. You can believe all that stuff intellectually, and if you don't trust the one who died to save you, you don't know him. You don't know him. Jesus said, I will say to them in that day, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. So uh, we do need to uh, do these things in order to get saved? No. You need to trust Jesus. And if you trust Jesus, what are you going to want to do? What he says. You're driving through a place you've never been before. Life. And you realize, oh my goodness, I've gotten lost. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, what am I going to do? And so you ask somebody who's been there before you, okay? Uh, hey, hey, do you, know, do you know how to get to Dothan or heaven? Not that Dothan is heaven. I would definitely dispute that. But do, do you know how to get to the destination that I'm trying to reach? And the person says... Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, could you please tell me how to get there? And they say, well, you want to go, you need to stay on this highway for nine and a half miles, and then there's going to be a road that turns off to the right, and you want to, you want to take that. That's U.S. 13. I have no idea. That's U.S. 13, Okay. And you want to get on US 13, and, and you'll have to go about 23 miles, and then you'll come to the interstate. And you get on the interstate, and you head south. Okay? I don't think I want to do that. I, no. <laughs> That's too much to remember. I don't think I want to do that. I'm just going to keep looking. Have you been helped? No. Did you trust that person? No. Are you doing what they said? No. Then you're not on your way to Dothan. You are not on your way to heaven if you refuse to trust God's word when he tells us this is what is true. And if you don't do what he says, it's because you don't believe his word, you don't trust him. And if you don't trust him, that's not biblical faith. Does that make sense? So James, James says, verse 20, you foolish man, 
You're being foolish. Faith without deeds is useless. It's dead. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Well, so we are saved by works? No, we're saved by grace, which we receive through faith. And when we receive grace through faith, it manifests itself in obedience to God. So, when my dad died in our house, we called a doctor friend to come over and pronounce him dead. And he came over. And I'm telling you again, I've, I've been around this enough for a lifetime. You could look at my dad's body until he was dead. Okay? I mean, there was not, you don't, you don't come in and say, okay, which one of you is dead? Okay? You, you, can, you can tell by looking. But because he's a doctor and he's about to say something legal, he went over and he checked and verified that my dad had no pulse whatsoever and wasn't breathing at all. And he didn't start up again in the doctor's presence. Okay? So based on the evidence of my dad's body not doing what living bodies do, he was able to say categorically, he's dead. Signed the death certificate. But somehow we think in our churches, ministries, life, that the fact that someone shows no evidence of life whatsoever, they're not living for God. They're bent on doing their own thing. We think, well, you know, who's to say? I mean, I better not judge. Okay, well then, let's shift it around and ask you, just check your pulse. Okay? Because the fact of the matter is, if you don't have one, you won't be checking your pulse. You understand? There's never been a person who said, okay, word, there's no pulse, I must be dead. Right? Dead people don't check their own pulse. My brother tells the story of a doctor who was taking his medical students from Harvard on rounds through one of the wings of Mass General Hospital and they walked into the room and there was a dead man in bed um, and his private duty nurse was sitting right next to the head of the bed knitting. Well usually when a person dies they do them the courtesy of pulling the sheet up over their, their head. But she's just sitting there knitting next to a corpse, being paid by the hour. <laughs> and um, so, so he, he went over and he looked at the nursing chart at the end of the bed to see how long it has been since this nurse checked the guy's vitals. Because if she checked the guy's vitals, you'd be able to tell he's not here anymore. He has checked out of the hospital. So 
He looked at it, and within the last half hour, she had put down this as his heartbeat, and this is his respiration, and so forth. Well, you can look at him and tell this guy hasn't died in the last half hour. He's been dead longer than that. So the doctor did something that was very shocking. He took hold of the man's toes and lifted them in the air and then let go. When he lifted the man's toes in the air, rigor mortis had already set in where the body stiffens. And so literally, the guy came up like a board, okay? And when he let the toes go, the body slammed down on the bed and the nurse burst into tears. And the doctor said, why did you write down vitals for a guy who's dead? She said he was having such a terrible time. It was really difficult. And then about two o'clock in the morning, he suddenly got peaceful. And I didn't want to disturb him, so I just made up numbers for the chart. Is that crazy? Not the best in medical care. But I know churches and parents who do that all the time. As long as they're not talking back, as long as they're not being disruptive, let's just let them sleep. I don't want to disturb them. Probably needs the rest. Okay, it's not our job to run around and check everybody else's pulse, but you better know whether or not you're trusting Jesus. You better know that if you are trusting Jesus, you will do what he says. Doesn't mean you'll live a sinless life, but you will be sinning less. Abraham and Rahab, both of whom are in that chapter in Hebrews, were considered righteous. God says through James, because of what they did. Well, I thought it was because of what they believed. That's why they did what they did. If they had not done what they did, they wouldn't have faith. So we're saved by faith or by works. We're saved by grace. You receive it through faith and you display it through works. Martin Luther whose big thing was salvation is by grace through faith, and who initially had some problems with the book of James because of the emphasis on works. Luther said, a man is justified or declared righteous before God by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. You got it? It's on the basis of faith that we receive grace, but the faith by which we receive grace always manifests itself in works. If you try to do the works because you haven't yet trusted Christ, it is dead and you're not saved. The Galatians had been lied to and told that in order to be saved, they needed to be circumcised. 
God spoke through the Apostle Paul in the letter to the Galatians and very clearly said, if you accept circumcision in order to try and make yourself right with God, you're cut off from Christ. Why? I thought we were supposed to do good works. You're supposed to do what God says. Circumcision is not required in the new covenant. Perfectly fine if you want to get circumcised, but that's not how you earn your salvation. Oh, well, what do I... What do I do to earn my salvation? You can't. You can't? No. You cannot earn it. But you can receive it by faith. And if you do, it'll show. It'll be manifested. You'll display the fact that you trust God by the way that you live. You say, well, I'm, uh, I'm a little uncomfortable with that because I'm not sure then that, that I'm really uh, saved. Well, then I'm glad we had this conversation and let me tell you what you need to do next. Ask him to save you. Ask him to save you. Do you want to be saved? Are you grateful for what he's done for you? Or are you like that foolish man in the hospital bed who's disappointed that he didn't die let me tell you something. He was not ready to die. He was not ready to die. Are you? Are you trusting Jesus? Or are you still hoping that you can figure it out for yourself? Make your own way. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask him to have mercy on you. Because God is rich in mercy. And he will forgive those who trust in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for saving those who believe by grace. It's all from you. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we come to you, Lord, asking that you would do what you alone can do and save all who call upon you. And we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.